Introducing Royal Caribbean's newest ship, Icon of the Seas, the ultimate family vacation. The ultimate six slides, eight neighborhoods, zero compromise vacation. The ultimate never done that, can't wait to do it vacation. The ultimate chillin' by a different pool every day of the week vacation. This is the Icon of Vacations. Icon of the Seas, arriving in 2024. Book today. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Six point five percent was it? Is is that what the current odds are of the Stanley Cup? Well, and you if you look at the round by round progression, the Stanley Cup favorite is uh-huh. the Vancouver Canucks. Like what a time to be alive! I- Talking you through every goalie controversy, scoring slump, and draft lottery bust, this is the C4 Podcast on CanucksHockeyBlog.com. Here they are, the best starting lineup we could afford under the salary cap. Chris, Matt, Anna, and Adam. Welcome to another episode of the C4 Canucks Hockey Podcast, brought to you by the Full Press Coverage Network and CanucksHockeyBlog.com. I am Chris at Lightforce, joined virtually for the second time in a row tonight by Anna Forsythe, a 4 3 Welcome, Anna. Thanks. I'm getting deja vu here. I love how every time you, you just can't hold it back. You can't, like, you have to lift the curtain. You Every time you have to be like, no, we're doing this for the second time because Anna's internet is busted. Well, I'm not blaming your internet because I mean, honest should. to goodness... Well, okay. I we we've had this discussion before. How when you went to the UK, we had by far the best connection between the two of us since we started doing this virtually. And the fact that you could go to the UK and get a better connection than the one that you have here, which is you know only a bridge and a tunnel away from me. Yeah, it's that blasted tunnel. Apparently, like over the ocean, no problem. But yeah, I don't know. It it you didn't know, used to be as bad as this. Yeah. But uh, speaking of great distance, uh, I see that you have returned back into the uh, the stratosphere, having yeah. uh, had a week since our last show. Yeah, I was definitely floating on cloud nine. Um, thanks to our interview with Frankie. Um, I'm going to use the same line as I learned, used before because the listeners didn't hear it and say that my life is firmly divided into two areas before Frankie interview and after because that's truly how it felt for me. It was very cool life ambition realized then down with the, to earth with a bump Canucks lose <laughs> three out four games hey leave it to the Vancouver Canucks to bring us back down to earth um I didn't ask this you know in any of the many times we may or may not have already tried to record this show um did you keep 
the guest under wraps or did you let it uh, slip to maybe a few people? I, I told Annalise from the show and then um, whilst Frank was messaging me, whilst I was at the Canucks game, stood next to Nadine. Um, that was the Nashville game. I did show it to her as well. And she was just very confused why he was messaging me on Twitter. Because the two of you were like tight. Yeah. So tight. I did tell him that he was good luck because the Canucks scored as he messaged me, but then he's, <laughs> he didn't think that was true. So, uh, Oh, well, I'm glad we had him on the show. It was good hearing about his, his sort of, you know, journey through the NHL, what he's going to be up to next. And, uh, um, he definitely has like that sort of broadcast, oh, yeah. you know, perspective. Eloquent, I mean, you, yeah. you, you see different players who you get into different roles after the game, some of which do try to get into TV and radio. And it's like, okay, you can do it. You've got perspective, but it's it's not an area that you're maybe as comfortable in. Whereas with, with Frank, I mean, on the conversation we had with him and um, in, in what I've heard uh, on other radio bits, definitely comfortable um, and in front of a microphone, which is pretty cool. Yeah. But, um, you know, speaking of uh, other things that are, are comfortable in front of a microphone, apparently um, the Vancouver Canucks uh, front office has been, um, nice. which has made very uncomfortable times in front of a microphone for their coaching staff and a few other players. Um, and uh, yeah, the Canucks week that was was not the best, but hey, at least there's a positive draw from what occurred over the course of this week. If we go back in era, because the uh, Vancouver Canucks are going to see at least two more additions to the Hockey Hall of Fame, maybe three. Uh, was it was it announced? I don't know as to what team Louis went in. With. Oh, I see. I I genuinely thought you were saying that the Steens went in as one person. <laughs> yeah. So it, instead of getting two blacks, it's just one. It's the Steens, and it just shows a face. Do you go yeah. in as a like? under a team or do you not just go in? I don't I actually I, don't know if they do it that way in hockey. I know like a lot of North American sports will, will you go in with a, like a team or yeah, wearing I don't a think like, so. but, um, cause Lu, Luongo was asked and he had said team Canada. Right. Which I was very diplomatic of him. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I mean, but, um, he's, he's very connected to both. Yeah. Um, Speaking of Luongo and Daniel Henrik, it ties in to a segue to the fact that we got a voicemail. Did you know we got a voicemail, Anna? I had a rumor about it. Um, I heard it a couple of times, actually, tonight, that rumor, yeah. but um, looking forward to hearing it. Hey, Chris and Anna. It's been a while since I called in, so I thought I'd give this speak pipe thing a try. This weekend has been the Hockey Hall of Fame induction weekend, and it's been great seeing Roberto. Henrik, and Daniel being recognized. While I never had the chance to meet any of them, I do have signed photos of Daniel and Henrik from one of the times they wore the Vancouver Millionaires jerseys. I was wondering what some of the things are that you think about as you remember Luongo and the Sedins. I have a couple non-game-related things. For the Sedins, I remember they did a commercial for the NHL when they went to dance at a poker night as a pair of Swedish twins. And for Luongo, I remember the bit he did with Schneider for TSN when they were fighting over who was number one and who was number two. I know they're just silly memories, but I get a chuckle whenever I watch them. Thanks for being so mediocre and yet long-lasting. Ian from Saskatoon. 
Okay, first of all, Ian from Saskatoon, thank you. You are a sure thing to have our call to action when we say, hey, you can drop us a voicemail. Um, if you want to be like Ian, it's uh, speakpipe.com slash uh, C4 podcast from your computer, from your phone. Just record and we get it and we include it in an upcoming episode. So long as it's like reasonable. I mean, if it was like Bowman or Stanchion or something like that, pfft. Yeah, they won't no. make the air, but but if it's like even if it's ten minutes long, that just means we get to do a shorter episode. So just I don't know if it lets you record. Oh, it probably for 10 doesn't. Minutes, to be honest, it probably. But does. if it doesn't, feel free to continue to call back, and I'll just stitch them together in production. Um, but uh, he talks about the some of the bits. I mean, so like the the Swedish twins, yeah, which yeah. by far during that NHL commercial era. Um, was was priceless. And the fact that Daniel and Henrik were like, yeah, no problem. We know what you're implying and we're totally game to do it is pretty cool. Um, and I had actually forgotten about the Luongo Schneider oh, back was, and forth. Yeah, that was a lot of fun. The thing, one thing too. Um, was that the one where Luongo tries to run over Schneider yeah. with a, a Zamboni? Yeah, that's a great image, honestly. Um, I mean, Luongo running over Schneider with a Zamboni is a great him, image. Like, you heard it here first. We bent over the Zamboni. Um, I mean, you know, I'm a Lugal over Schneider, but no. Um, honestly, I love that. Like, because it felt so specifically Vancouver as well, embracing the sort of Twitter outrage and the goalie controversy. Like, those are very like Vancouver things. So it was kind of cool to see them be part of that. Um, I also think like throwing back to the Swedish twins thing, those NHL commercials, I think that represented the peak of NHL actually marketing its stars, which is crazy to think that they were better doing it then than they are in the age of Twitter and Connor McDavid and all of that. But I genuinely think they were. Do the, does the league even market itself beyond like mashup style videos of a bunch of players Usually shooting hit. pucks and stuff? Yeah. Yeah. Um, Can't think of anything. No. Or also like talking about terrible NHL marketing. Did you see the video that they clearly shot at media day before the season started about the Sedins? No. Okay, so it's just a bunch of talking heads talking about the Sedins and their impact on the modern game. Um, Connor McDavid's hit starts with, well, they're obviously twins. It's like, yep. Smart, oh, smart that's cookie. Connor, that's Connor McDavid. Like, <laughs> let's be honest here. That's pr that's actually that's pretty spicy coming from uh, Connor McDavid. Yeah, the only part that was cool to hear about that was Morgan Riley, who obviously grew up around Vancouver and how much he idolized the city. And so that was cool. But apart from that, it was kind of yeah. dumb. Anyway, we'll talk more about that a little bit later. Um, but unfortunately, we got to go into Rewind. So the Vancouver Canucks uh, played a bunch of hockey. And... Um, at least they got some some goals in Ottawa that uh, that meant something, right? I mean, there were a lot of them, so hopefully some of them meant something. <laughs> um, yeah, it was a yeah, I mean, throwback to the '80s hockey that you love that we saw against Anaheim as well. Just keep scoring. I, okay, see, 
Haven't I been going on about how the only way the Vancouver Canucks are going to be successful based on this team is to score more goals in the opposition? And when I say more, I'm talking about lots more. And it doesn't matter if you let in a lot, as long as you got a lot more than the other team. That's that's where they're getting these big wins. The wins. Like, close games? Oh, man, you're going to give up that lead. You only got a three-goal lead? Not enough. Not enough. Yeah. So, I mean, they let in... Five goals against Anaheim, four against Ottawa, but luckily they scored enough that it didn't matter. But yeah, it's hard to say that uh, the goaltending from either, you know, Thatcher Demko or Spence Martin is... Maybe you could say it's stealing them games because they're keeping in it just enough and the defense is that bad, but it's certainly not what we've been used to with the goalies continuously bailing out the team. Well, they're, I mean, arguably the goaltender who had been able to bail out the team and he hasn't is Spencer Martin. And that's not a knock against Demko. I mean, the running uh, rumor right now is that uh, something ain't right with Demko. Um, I don't know if you saw the conversation between um, uh, Dollywall and Taylor, but Rick was very cagey about Demko having had a procedure, he wouldn't call it surgery. Um, he won't say what it is. It's, it's a private matter. Um, but it's not what we think it is. And like, that's surreal that, you know, and like, I get that an insider, you know, wants to protect what's being said, but like, what is you're implying you're, you're, you're throwing a whole lot of smoke yeah. Where there didn't need to be any. Yeah, I'm not sure if that protects anyone really. Like I think well it makes it worse. Like if, if he yeah. could have said, yeah, you know, he had a he had a medical procedure he's recovered since recovered. Um like if it has nothing to, like you know, there were different ways to go about it, but you know, Rick was doing it I think uh two different ways. One, he was trying to like, hey, you know, there's stuff going on behind the scenes, but at the same time, I don't I know, but I can't tell you. And no matter how you ask me, I'm not going to tell you and I'm not going to confirm, but Hey, let's just let it go and let's move on. And Taylor was like, no, no dog, you can't bring this up and yeah. actually move on. That's not how this works. That's the thing. Like I get it. He's an insider. He has his sources that he wants to protect. But like, if you say something on a Vancouver likes media show, or like sports show, your Vancouver sports show, like people are gonna, you know, push about it. Um, yeah, I'm really curious a lot to, about a lot of the medical kind of stuff going on. Like a lot of the media and fans kind of suspected OEL wasn't quite healthy. Like he didn't look 100%. And then he's saying last week or the week before that he's the healthiest he's ever been, which is insane. And I'm like, that's scary. Yeah. Those are the, are the reads and the plays you're making when you're 100% healthy. Okay. Um, yeah, there's been parts where Tyler Myers didn't look 100% be still playing and yeah Demko as well obviously there's this talk now so yeah I don't know it just like like a lot of things with the Canucks it kind of gives me the heebie-jeebies yeah you know I, I have to ask so the Vancouver Canucks do get the win against the Senators 6-4 Spencer Martin happens to be in net gets himself the second star gives up four goals that says a lot about how the Canucks were playing in that game. Um, Montreal, uh, Demko starts that game. Canucks take an L. 
five two for Montreal. Uh, Montreal had this game essentially won throughout. Uh, get to yourself to Toronto. Uh, Spencer Martin starts. Interesting. I mean, again, it's a back to back. Having both goaltenders in is not unusual. It's just interesting that Martin's the one who starts in Toronto. Though I guess you could say, well, it's a home game for for Spencer with family and whatnot. Uh, Canucks get themselves a, a solid lead that they promptly lose. Um, 3-2 to the Maple Leafs. It was a weird game. Like... Yeah, I... the You know, the problem about this particular game and how it was being played is that when the Vancouver Canucks go up 2-0 in the first period, I had commented to my wife at the time. She's like, oh, they're winning. I'm like, yeah, but they're... They're, they're not actually winning... Because, yeah, they're up 2 nothing, but, like, it doesn't feel like the Vancouver Canucks are in control here. Like, there's there's no indication that they're going to actually be able to lock this one on. And when Matthews got his power play marker to kick off the second period, where, and I'm not a professional. <laughs> I have never played in the NHL, but I'm kind of thinking that's one of the players you don't all skate away from and leave wide open when you're on the penalty kill yeah. i mean <laughs> not an expert I'm, not, I'm again not an expert yeah i think both of us tweeted pretty much this almost word for word the same thing when that happened um your tweet made the stand she's fine didn't it's fine i'm not bitter about it like yours was better worded mm. i guess um but yeah i think that seems obvious honestly the whole game reminded me and this is reference maybe two of our listeners maybe not even that will get but like the 2019 ashes the whole summer australia outplayed england the whole summer but the series ended up 2-2 like and england was so close to winning the drawn game like toronto outplayed vancouver the whole game but it was only 3-2 and they really like that was a winnable game still even with the Leafs playing a lot better than Vancouver because you just needed one break. You know, there were a few breakaways that got missed and things like that. And the Canucks would have won an ugly game. In the grand scheme of things, it doesn't matter. But it's always nice to beat Toronto. And honestly, they could have done it. They could have, but they didn't. You didn't. Um, Boston, on the other was- hand. Well, okay, so before we leave Toronto to go to to Boston here, the Vancouver Canucks, despite, you know, not being able to lock it down and going down 3-2 in the the second period, um, had unbelievably an opportunity to tie it up in the third and couldn't. Like, Yeah, that's what I'm saying. you think back to like even last year, those are the games the Vancouver Canucks like somehow figure out how yeah. to put a puck in the net and they, they win late. Yeah. Like, it's almost like this this season is the exact opposite as to what we were seeing under sort of the Bruce era last year. I shouldn't say all of last season. Um, but, you know, it, it, it is just, it is almost tiresome that the Vancouver Canucks need to score six goals and have themselves a substantial lead so that you can actually exhale and say, oh, okay, yeah, they got this one in the bag. Um, but yeah, let's, let's talk about that uh, Boston uh, Bruin uh, uh, game. Was it uh, game 43, <laughs> I think in the series now, like 
Yeah. I don't even know. I definitely used to keep track of this. I no longer do. Um, but yeah, Canucks have won quite a few of them. Um, not when it mattered, though. They didn't win this one. Didn't win this one. Um, and just like on that transition between games, and we talked about the Spencer Martin start, Bruce said after the game he didn't know who was starting the next day. And you just thought, what do you mean you don't know? It's a back-to-back and you're f- you have your first choice goalie on the bench. But that, I mean, it was a reflection. Are you on- cer- but that's the thing. Are you certain it's your, he's well, your first choice goalie on the bench? Because the first choice in the two back-to-backs were Spencer Martin. And typically the first choice is your number one goaltender. I mean, it- I mean, I feel like. Montreal was going to be a better team than Ottawa. See, if you're going to start your better goaltender, you started against Montreal. Um, was Boston going to be the better team than Toronto? Sure, the way Boston's playing right now. So I'm not. I'm not trying to like drum up controversy here. In that regard, it's just to drive the point home with what you're sharing as to what Bruce is saying. Da fuzz. Yeah. Yeah. Um, obviously, like Demko ended up starting and. Not that it seemed to matter much, honestly. It was depressing watching that Boston game. It was funny because I was thinking, like, a period in, oh, it doesn't really have the usual bite of Canucks Bruins games. Then I remembered there'd been two fights already. So they obviously. And an instigator penalty. Yeah, because suddenly the NHL keeps awarding instigator penalties this season. Um,. But yeah, like it, when you know you talked to you made the joke about game whatever of the series, like it does still matter to Canucks fans beating Boston. Like how sweet was it beating them nine three on the same night that Toronto lost to their own Zamboni driver? Like that was just a beautiful night of hockey. Um. It still matters to Canucks fans. Seems to matter to Carl Barrows, but I'm not sure it mattered to any of the other players. Like, it was unfortunate. Yeah. The uh, situation is kind of dire. Like, I don't, I'm not, I'm not trying to be so pessimistic. Like, I'm, I've been just thinking over the last few days. It's tough to be a Canucks fan. Like I have been one for so long and I'm, I I like when there's, there's these good times or there's promise. I'm feeling despondent over like what promise? I mean, the, 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 you know, hot rumor today is the, there are teams giving the Canucks call about Demco. And at first I'm like, really? The Canucks can't afford to do that. And then I'm like, but why not? Like if a team goes and, offers you the moon for Demco. And like I, I'm I'm a proponent that at some point they need to go in and change things. And I'm not saying Demco is the problem. And it is it sets the team back. But like bold decisions need to be made. Um this is a team that is now lost you know three games on this road trip. This road trip is below five hundred no matter how you look at it, regardless of what's gonna happen well, we're going to say tomorrow night, but really tonight or potentially it has happened against the Buffalo Sabres. Um, but I think it was Sam Chang had commented and sort of 
brought it to attention that this team is actually coming up to a you know the same pace as to where they were last this time last year like yeah you you can't you, you're gonna make like you got a, you got a, a lame duck coach who you're president of hockey operations went out national TV and said he wasn't aware that he was coming back for a season. And this was his option. Um, yeah. Before publicly cri- criticizing his systems and ways of playing hockey. Yeah. And then Bruce getting put in front of the media to try to like redirect not the media saying it and the media saying, well, no, that's actually what just came out of the mouth of your boss. Like, <laughs> yeah, we didn't make this up. Yeah, I think I remember seeing Sam's tweet, and it was just about how they had a worse record before they decided enough and was enough and fired their GM and coach. Uh-huh. I mean, I will say, like, just listening, I can't even remember who I was listening to was talking about um, how, like, Bo Horvat is the only player on the team that can take a face off. And I was like, yeah, remember when we brought in Manny Malhotra because the team couldn't take face offs at all? And he was brought in purely as a face-off consultant, ended up saying, became assistant coach, blah, blah, blah. But, like, that was, what, five years ago? Like... Oh, more than that. Yeah, and we are still where we are, like, with Bo Horvat being the only one who's very good at face-offs, but no one else can take them. Um, We have JT Miller, someone that we paid $8 million from next year, and he can't play the position we signed him to. Oh. Um, we have two incredibly expensive defensemen who are both aging and aging poorly. Like, everything's <laughs> gone worse. And honestly, I think you're right. Like, something has to change. I haven't actually listened to today's Canucks conversation, but I'm kind of deducing from the title that Canucks fans need hope. And the management need to give fan base credit to believe that that hope can be completely <laughs> blowing up the team. That That is a positive gesture, I think. Yeah, I um, was going to make a snide comment of a Bo Horvat, you know, being the only guy to take face off. So I'm like, yeah, for this season, because, you know, there's no guarantee he's back. Oh, and sure. Yeah. The, the, the trade rumors are all over about the Canucks looking to dish off Horvat. Uh, I, I just, because let's let, you know, let's picture a future where the Vancouver Canucks don't have Bo Horvat in their lineup. Who cares about winning games? You don't actually have puck position yeah. ever. And it's funny because literally, you know, you were saying about Thatcher Demko, like he was one of our untradables who we always talked about. And Bo Horvat was kind of the, uh, he's not untradable, but like he's sort of the level below that. But now I'm just like, Bo might be more untradable. I'm not saying he is, but like I'd sooner kind of put him above Thatcher Demko because I think he's the heart of this team. And if you're going to um, structure a rebuild and you want fans to keep engaged, not to mention he's the best player on this team this season, um, I think you do it around someone like Bo Horvat. Um, 
would like I don't want to trade Petey or Quinn I think you know Bo goes before them but honestly I think take those three players blow the rest up and honestly even Petey and Quinn is going to be difficult to keep right well, it's, okay, Quinn, the keeping of Quinn, we don't have to worry about that problem for a handful of more seasons. <laughs> yeah, little problem. Keeping keeping Petey around, though, is going to become difficult pretty darn soon. Yeah, sure, he's an RFA with rights and, you know, the Vancouver Canucks own him. There's no guarantee they own him for more than like a season. Like if you're Petey, you'll have a good indication at the end of this season how next year is going to work out. And things don't get progressively better because let's say in a, in a dark timeline where they lose Bo Horvat and they keep JT Miller and JT Miller doesn't drastically turn things around this season. Like I don't understand where Petey would decide that this is the team he wants to continue to play for or at least not take a look at what else might be available um, within the context of a, a market. Like, yes, he bring, comes back for one more season, but he's not signing long-term. Totally. And cannot blame him. And I'm sure what stopped Canucks like rebuilding properly was pe- players like Petey and Quinn and like wanting to keep them around. But to me, like the reason you got those two players, they were picked at number five and number seven, and they were steals at number five and number seven <clears throat> in the draft, was because you finished poorly the season before. So the whole, if you had committed at that point to say, okay, these are bright young players, we've got to build a future for them, rather than well, adding they, veterans. They were building a future. It's <laughs> just the future was tomorrow. Yeah, exactly. Rather than adding win now veterans when literally like we shouldn't have been trying to win in the first couple of years of their contract. We should have been building for a win in the, you know, going in a positive direction. So they resign. Then like our window would be now. It would be probably have already started. Yeah. But instead, the window has not yet even been installed. It's not closed. It's not possible to open. It simply does not exist. Um, looking ahead at the rest of the week. So we talk about the fact that the Vancouver Canucks are going to go and get to play the Buffalo Sabres. Um, I, honest to goodness, have no idea how to make anything out of that game. But fortune favors a team uh, coming home to the LA Kings. Um I mean, if the Vancouver Canucks, you got to know you got to play well at home. Like you can't have a stinker, especially the way you've been playing as of late. Um, The problem is a team like the Kings is apparently not having a bad season, but they're the easier opponent of the two because the Golden Knights are having an even better season than they're here on Monday night, which is, again, going to be problematic for you and I recording an episode and all that jazz. But hey, we'll persevere. Yeah, I just I look ahead at the schedule and it does the Vancouver Canucks absolutely no favors. And not only that, uh, they get to go back on another road trip home for two and on the road again. Yeah, I mean, one, they've got to play the cup champs in between like sandwiched in between um, Vegas games. But like you're talking about the schedule, like we lost to Montreal, like 
we're losing to bottom dwelling teams like Montreal. Montreal looked really good against the Vancouver Canucks. Yeah. So I don't see if there's any good games, like only no. games that are just more painful to lose because they're against teams we really should be beating. True that. Anyhow, let's pause here, take ourselves a short break, collect ourselves. Because you're listening to the C4 Canucks Hockey Podcast, brought to you by the Full Press Coverage Network and CanucksHockeyBlog.com. First, the bad news. SAP Business AI won't help you generate cubist versions of your family's holiday photos. But it will help you understand which supplier is best to help you roll out your plant-based packaging in Southeast Asia. Or identify the training your junior project manager needs to rise up the ranks. And automate repetitive tasks while you focus on big innovations. So you can be ready for the next opportunity. Revolutionary technology, real-world results. That's SAP Business AI. Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. Take hitting out of the game. You can't hit anymore, so don't do it. The unsportsmanlike conduct, I want to get an explanation on. No kidding. Because how do you get suspended for unsportsmanlike conduct? Plus interference. There's no interference there. He had the puck. Now, Madison never, ever did that before. Now, why did he do it? And that because he was mad. Well, your early favorite for the Calder <laughs> Trophy, that's for sure. Elias Patterson. you might even say your early favorite for the Hart Trophy. Just to get back to your question, Elias is going to play plenty. He play. He's going to get a lot of power play time. And, yeah, I'm concerned about our offense. We lost 200-point players, and we've got to find a way to score. I mean, we pretty much already went full-on empty. Like, we we'd yeah. given up the half-full. Maybe half-full was at the start of the show, when we were talking about like the voicemail, um, then we started to really see that 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 glass start to just drain. There might have been a crack in it. I do not know, um, but we're we're not like we're full empty because not only do you have sort of this lame duck coach, you've got some decisions from a coach who may or may not be coaching for his career, not his career, his job. Yeah, who knows? He's old. but. The decisions that he's been making as to who he's going to dress in a given night have been interesting, to say the least. Have they not? Yeah. I mean, like, what does Jack Rathbone need to do to get a game? What does Carl Boris need to do to get a game? Because like, as soon as he was inserted into the lineup, he was, like, the most lively player on the ice. Um, he's played well whenever he's played. I So I agree that Rathbone needs to see hockey, but he did get an opportunity. He did not play good hockey. You're right, but he's playing, he's making the mistakes that young players make. Like No, and that's the thing, that goes to the point, like he needs to play hockey. He needs to figure out the game, learn the game. He's being put in a situation that unfortunately is probably not the best for his own development. And not only that, He's getting a great opportunity to see it from high above. Yeah. 
I mean, the mistakes he's making are definitely reads-based, like their decision-making mistakes. They're not, you know, he looks lost out there. His talent is worryingly lacking, nothing like that. But the problem is we're seeing league veterans who are being paid through the nose making those same mistakes. Like, they're making the wrong read. They're pinching at the wrong time. They are, like, failing to backcheck. Just all of these mistakes that people have been in the league, as long as they have, should not be making. Like, I'd rather see Rathbone make those mistakes than OEL or Myers. And see, that's... That's the interesting thing. Like anytime conversation about a rebuild comes up, fans don't want to rebuild. They can't tolerate what's happening now. Why would they tolerate a rebuild? Honestly, I think most fans, especially Canucks fans, well, yes, there would be some upset. Like, I can't believe they're making all these mistakes would say, I can't believe they're making all these mistakes, but they got to make them as long as they learn from them, they develop, they grow, they become better. Like, that's you don't go and look at OEL and say, "Oh, I hope he get, becomes a better hockey player." Yeah, but like you're not having that conversation. And if you are, well, don't worry. The Vancouver Canucks have about forty years to see that come to fruition. Yeah, because honestly, it's an argument to say like, um, if you play Rathbone all season over Talimaz over OEL, like, um, maybe you wouldn't get overall as good a hockey but next year you would have better hockey but i'm not even sure that's true i think like rathbone will learn quick enough that he won't be making the same mistakes like they're on a downward trajectory like rathbone is not (sighs) i mean that's Mm. just kind of the well, depressing. <laughs> he, he's, he's, the problem is he's not on any trajectory. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. All right, upward, downward, neither. That's the problem. Is the neither? Like you're right. He, he's not getting an opportunity to play. Um, and I, I don't know how much value is in watching the game from high above, night in, night out. Um, Burrows. Here's someone who is signed to some money that you would say is reasonable depth. He has provided you an opportunity uh, to give that depth a a good old try. He gives you what you expect. And I don't don't mean to suggest that he should be a top four defenseman necessarily, but how he's not in the top six on the regular, being as reliable as he is, behooves me. But then, you know... Do you scratch an OEL? Do you scratch a Myers to get him in? No. Ethan Bear. I've actually got no problem with Ethan Bear. Yeah. I mean, as far as additions go, but I mean, Ethan Bear coming into the lineup uh, pretty much locked, uh, you know, Burroughs out. Yeah. I know. Um, like Canucks obviously had this right-handed D-man vacuum, um, and unfortunately Bruce and a few others do see that Tyler Myers is like that solid option. But yeah, I think I'd rather see Ethan Baird lead the line than Tyler Myers. Um, 
I understand the reluctance to like maybe put in two younger, more inexperienced players, but I can't see Ariel and like Talamaz every night. Like you've got to take a risk at some point. Um, Not, well, first of all, Bruce ain't going to do it. Um, and whoever the new coach will be, hmm. if they were to let Bruce go, won't be doing it either. Yeah, it's unfortunate because I don't think it's even the safe play. I don't think it's making the safe choice by putting these veterans in. I think Canucks are actually worse it, off. It, well, that's the thing is that it's the message it sends. Well, what message is being sent night in, night out when you currently have a blue line that has so many problems that remain unaddressed that, you know, how like it's it's futile it's it's how many times you're gonna do the same thing it's just not gonna improve i uh, you're right i'm i agree with you it's just the code requires that they they dress their best and if you're paid a lot of money that means you're real good yeah i just think like i'm sure like all the stuff we said before about bruce not being given you know a vote of confidence at all from um from management um but like bruce doesn't have a problem like being harsh like if anyone can send a message to veterans you'd think someone like bruce could but um yeah it's disappointing um and then moving up the line up to the forwards like the way jt miller plays um it's consistently irresponsible. I could say that, um, defensively irresponsible. Um, mm-hmm. and it sucks to watch that just cause he scores a goal every now and then. Um, and this season it's more, you know, then than now it doesn't happen as often, but yeah, what kind of message is that sending to your the like to the room if you can like not defend and still make the lineup? Well, let's let's actually talk about messages being sent to the room. Going back to the earlier commentary that we had about Rutherford essentially describing Bruce as a lame duck coach. Mm-hmm. The players are like, okay, <laughs> they're they're as much as they don't read the papers. They know what he had said. Mm-hmm. Um, that doesn't bode well to someone who then is trying to instill a particular message with the team. If he were to go in and make a drastic shift, like, oh, I'm going to go and, you know, sit OEL for a game or Myers or whatever, and, sh- you know, shake things up. Um, hey, you know, Miller, you've been, you know, sucking air up to the press box. You go for a game, send that type of message. I actually think it would do worse in the locker room than it would. Cause it's like, well, this is a coach is going to go. He's just trying to blow things up on his way out. Like I, I it is so surreal. Um, and I mean, we haven't even talked about how apparently there are questions from the locker room as to what's the status of our captain. Yeah. And um, Sarah Valley had commented today on, on local radio that he thinks if the Vancouver Canucks are going to make a move with Bo, 
that it's going to be um, before the deadline. Okay, so Horvat's being traded. Like, I mean, if if you don't do that early, I mean, but then you think about who they can move. I'm not trying to suggest Bo Horvat needs to be traded, but if you're not going to trade Miller, if you're full on in on Miller, ugh, gosh. Yeah. I mean, we talked about it before that his new contract doesn't necessarily prevent him being traded this year, but he probably wouldn't be. But now I'm just thinking, like, trade him before his value tanks, like, before the league wakes up to... Because Uh... he had kind of been this player before, you know. He was never much of a back checker. He just was scoring enough points that it didn't really matter, whereas he's not really now, and the team around him aren't covering for him because Patterson's not playing the same way. Um, yeah, the goalies aren't absolutely if, like rubbing. If, if there is any truth to the rumor that Miller and Pedersen see the world through very different lenses, mm-hmm. the future for the Vancouver Canucks ain't going to improve if Bo Horvat is the piece that's then taken out of the picture. Yeah, he's like the peacemaker. Like, um, yeah. And you're probably right about the sending a message. I think Bruce, if anything, wants to, the best way he can deal with it is creating us and them. And where them being the media, them also being management, but us in the locker room, we're going to win and we're going to stick together. So that sitting veterans might not necessarily go in with that message, but I think it would be a good opportunity to show like the team and not that he cares about the fan base necessarily, but that like they're serious, like, that this is a serious team. Um, yeah, I mean, they missed an opportunity like Pearson. Pearson probably should have been scratched too, and now he's injured, so. Who yeah. Knows? <sighs> Dire. Uh, you know, I'm I'm thinking we've, we've beat this horse. <laughs> we um, really have. Many times. Let's talk about something actually good. Okay. Um, we let off the show. Everyone already knows Daniel Henrik and Roberto uh, were inducted into the Hockey Hall of Fame. And um, during the, the ceremony, um, uh, Henrik had made a comment. This actually ties into what we we're talking about. To Kevin BX, Ryan Kessler, Alex Hedder, and Yannick Hansen, thanks for helping create a culture where results were just a byproduct of our everyday process. Roberto, you were the face of that culture. And that, you know, goes to speak to how that room really resonated around a core leadership group. And yes, Roberto mm-hmm. was off in the face. I mean, he was put in a real difficult position when he was captain for that season. Cause I don't think that was ever really the role he should have been yeah. given. And Roberto was like the, the utmost competitor was like, yeah, give it to me. I want it. But really, no, nah, it's not actually what you you needed, mm-hmm. um, but it allowed for him to to pass that on to someone like Henrik. Mm-hmm. But it just speaks to how that leadership group um, was able to instill within each player that set foot in that locker room what it was to not only be a professional but to win. Like I, there were some stinkers during that era. Um, you know, in that leadership core, every team's going to have them. 
it was tough to see the window sort of slam shut after 2012. Mm -hmm. How much of that has to do with ownership? Um, we'll never know because again, I, I, I tried to get, um, you know, Frank on the last episode to I know. talk about this, right? I'm like, Hey, so, cause arguably the rebuild should have happened the season that, uh, that Gillis was fired. Mm-hmm. And he did kind like of Gillis, hint at that, but he wouldn't, yeah, he was he, probably attached Torts even it. said in his, you know, end of season press conference. And then, uh, Lyndon Benning, mm-hmm. we're going to retool. Lyndon comes around. No, but story goes on and on and on. But that leadership group had it figured out. And it is a shame that really the last piece of that puzzle that was trying to soak up that knowledge and Bo Horvat could be the player who's then dished out because yeah. that might be the, the only option the Vancouver Canucks have to make a big play. But it, it also speaks to how the culture is then non-existent. Like, what is the Canucks culture? Yeah, I mean, that's kind of what I was hinting at before. Um, yeah, talking about him as the heart of the team, but that's a, like, even, yeah, that's another point as well, that he's the legacy of that culture, that, like, he's the Sedin's legacy. He's, um, and the Sedin's kind of absorbed all the other leadership in the room from Kevin Bietza, from Luongo, from... And it counts and all these other players, like that was a team that held each other accountable. And Bo's trying to continue that. Um maybe finding it difficult with some of the players on the team. But as much as there are like some crappy rumors that you don't believe around this team, there's not been any good ones. Like no. After all these like rumors about what the locker room's like, there's got to be some truth to them, right? It's not positive. It's not the same. We've, I mean, we've seen it already, you know, exist on the ice. The, the fact that, you know, someone like Shen and Miller getting paired up mm-hmm. um, consistently because they like to battle. Oh, I bet they do. We saw it, you know, at the end of a period uh, during a nationally televised game. Like there, there is, mm-hmm. there are problems. And unfortunately for the Vancouver Canucks, there's no indication that they're they're going to figure them out. Like I, uh, I was casually chatting with a friend, and I had said maybe they just need to lock them all into a room, like take them to an escape room or something like that. But don't don't give them the ability to run at a time. Just make it that the team doesn't get to do anything until they actually escape. Yeah. I mean, if the scary part is, would they? I don't know but just stuff them all in one of those escape rooms. I'm here for it, honestly. Anywho. I love that we were said we were going to talk about something positive and then we just ended up talking about. I know it's so it pulls us back in, but I will say that it's been very cool to see league wide appreciation for these Canuck legends. I will say that it's been a cool few days. Well, Henry, I mean, Henrik had COVID, and so he was like a, you know, a game time decision as to whether or not to, he'd be there for the, the ceremony. And um, when asked about it, he had replied that, well, I, you know, as everyone knows, 70% of Henrik is better than 100% of Daniel. Bad. I mean, the, the, the biggest travesty, if there is one to be ever considered, is that Daniel Sedin... Did not win the heart. 
Yeah, I mean, the biggest travesty is the students don't have a cop, but... Okay, that's... A, but, I mean, I, I'm, I'm a Canucks fan. Yeah, I've yeah. just come to the realization they'll never get a cup. I'm, 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 I'm so down on this right now. I mean... But, yeah, that take was... Take away my, my fan card if you need to. Kick me off the oh, bandwagon. Yeah. That was a great moment, too, when they talked about when they got the call... And Daniel said that he was actually in the washroom when he first got the call. And Logo said, I know the feeling. Uh, yeah, yeah. The, the feeling isn't a pleasant one. No. So he's aware of what it means to miss big moments um, when nature calls. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Who was the backup goaltender that game? It was playoffs. It was against it was, Minnesota, wasn't it? Oh, I thought it was in Anaheim. <laughs> Was it Anaheim? Okay, it might have been Anaheim. I just oh. remember when Luongo isn't in the net to start the game, and I'm and I like what? Like what? Like there was no indication he was injured. Like the fact that the broadcast was as confused as we were at home. Oh yeah, and it was like an elimination game because if Luongo's not in the net, that was that was it for the Van Crest. That's why I seem to think it was. I thought it was like Minnesota, but I'm. No, it was Anaheim, hey, and it's, uh, it was Danny Saverin who... Saverin, okay. Um, yeah, he played nine games for the Canucks that season. Nine games in one period, I guess. Uh, <laughs> uh, which, which and, uh, that one period was bigger than all other nine combined. Um, oh, yeah. Uh, and it wasn't I, even a period. It was like yeah, eight minutes or he, whatever it was. It's a long time. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> There's there's some things you just can't rush in it, and then when you try to, it just makes it a whole lot worse. It does, yeah. Iconic moment in time, um, yeah. Too funny. I'm yeah. like honestly, legends. Like all three of them, complete like legends of the game. It's kind of been nice again to see a little bit more of the like personality, like longer kind of <laughs> when he got Twitter. And the Sedin's kind of post-retirement a little bit. Um, but yeah, so, so richly deserved. Yeah. But we are, as I said earlier, like a, two minutes ago, at the end of a show and at the end of an episode. Um, we, have, we, we cannot resurrect that horse anymore or mm -hmm. attempt to. It is, it is deceased. Uh, but uh, yeah, we will be back next week with probably more doom, gloom, pessimism, all that good stuff. But maybe, just maybe, voicemail from people like you. Remember, you just have to go to voicelink.com, or sorry, speakpipe.com slash c4podcast. Speakpipe.com slash c4podcast. Drop us a note. It could be on your computer. It could be on your phone. It could be Anna's mom dialing in. Could be. Hi, Anna's mom. Mm -hmm. Hi, mom. Um, yeah, hashtag be like Ian. We love hearing from you guys. So, and like Ian's was about like the Swedish twins commercial. Like, it can be about, it doesn't have to be like a game report, you know? It can be whatever you well, want to talk about. As Ian pointed out, we are the best podcast at being mediocre. So, yeah. <laughs> We'll play just about anything except for Bowman and the Stanch. I mean, mm -hmm. those two know what they did. They are dead to us. Dead to us. But uh, what final words of wisdom do you have for everyone, Anna? Uh, yeah, I'm deciding <laughs> whether to reflect on the good or the bad, um, or the positive or the negative. I will say that, like, we've been negative about this team. And honestly, like, if you're being honest, you would too. Um, 
but I think that Boston game was the lowest point for me because it seemed like the players didn't care. And I just, like, I can watch Canucks lose every game this season. Um, They're unlikely to, but I can watch them lose a lot of games. I just really would love not to see them lose like that again. See, you have me wondering now, could they, could they have a lower moment? And I kind of think that they got it in them. Yeah, they definitely do. (laughs) Oh, look at what you did, Anna. You resurrected that horse and we're about to beat it down again. Um, Okay. I'm going to, I'm going to say positive things. Remember, it's just a game about hockey. There's a whole lot more that we can enjoy beyond, you know, don't be a dick. Nice. Like, no, it's perfect. It's a perfect way to end. Nothing further to add. But if you have some words of wisdom you'd like to share and you don't want to drop a voicemail to do it, the best place to share those words of wisdom are on C4 Discord, discord.io slash C4 podcast, where you can tell when a game is over because gate 16 lights up with, hey, how's Bernard doing? Did you know he's selling out barns in the dub, every you know, city he visits? So, yeah, yeah. For Bernard. as you can see, C4 Discord is feeling the vibe as we are here on the show. And uh, you can follow us online. We're pretty much everywhere at the C4 podcast and C4podcast.com is our website. Uh, all that jazz. But yeah, on behalf of Anna Forsyth, a 4 3 myself, Chris at Lightforce, signing off this episode of the C4 Canucks Hockey Podcast, brought to you by the Full Press Coverage Network and CanucksHockeyBlog.com with We Out.